Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's good to see everybody today, and I'm hoping you all had a wonderful weekend. Sorry, I have to quick do something here, and uh, <laughs> this is going to be one of those weeks. And uh, I was in the middle of something, and something blew up on me. So one moment here. Okay. So are you ready for a week that's crazy, wild, and weird? Uh, yes. So I am because I'm already living it this morning. And there is a lot to talk about today because there is just so much stuff going on. And it's one of those times where you are just going to have to breathe, right? You're just going to have to breathe. You're going to have to move through the energies while remaining calm. Ha. Let's try that one, right? Uh, so good morning to everybody who's checking in with me. Before we go too far into the energies of the week, let's talk about where we are today. As the moon is now in the sign of Virgo, a very earthy, down-to-earth kind of sign, where the spotlight today and on through, let's see, tomorrow, I believe it is, yes, through tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning, is on work and service and health and perfecting and perfecting as we are getting ready to finish up a cycle through the sign of Virgo, where we began that with the new moon last month. We're ending it with the moon in Virgo this month, just previous to the new moon in Libra. So we are sort of in a completion phase before the new moon phase begins on Wednesday. So what does that mean? Well, for one thing, when we're talking about the sign of Virgo, we're talking about the physical health of our bodies. We're talking about the physical health of our environment that we are in. So the sixth house is the ruling house or the, the house that Virgo rules. And so what we see often then is the potential for having to clear out the clutter or having to clear out the environment that we're in. And of course, on top of that is the environment in our bodies, right? Our bodies are an environment that houses our souls. So what we have then is a focus on diet and health and what we're taking in and uh, what we're releasing. So we have both sort of ends of the spectrum, if you will, um, as we might be taking in or ingesting uh, toxins or poisons. And uh, so we need to be very careful about what we're taking in, as well as then looking at what are we holding on to? Are we releasing those toxins and poisons? And all of that, of course, is related to the digestive system in the, uh, the body. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. So good health habits, right? Uh, Virgo is a sign that goes into routines and habits and having healthy routines and healthy habits is an important thing here. And it also spotlights or focuses on healers and healing. Now, service and work. These are two other uh, areas. And with work, what we're talking about are the projects that we do or the routines that we get into in our work. So for example, every job has a routine, right? When maybe you, you come into work and you, you, you log in or you check in somehow, and then the first thing you do maybe is check your emails. The second thing you do is this or that. So it talks about Virgo keeps us into the routines of our day and the tasks and the errands that we must do in order to complete our day, right? To keep on the right track. 
Now, it also rules our coworkers. Remember, I said the environment that we find ourselves in. So this would be the work environment that includes the people that you work with or the people that, that are around you or even the actual environment itself. Is your desk clean and clear? Uh, is everything where you can find it? Do you need to resupply? Do you need to organize, et cetera? So the work and the work environment, as well as the people that you're around are also in focus uh, during the next day or so. Um, as far as service is concerned here, you know, Virgo is a sign of service. I'm beginning to think that there's something very deep about the sign of Virgo. I was thinking about this this morning as, as I was writing up these different things that Virgo has to offer. And th there's this, I don't even know how to quite frame it, but there, there's this sort of need in the sign of Virgo to, to bring things into a more healthy viewpoint even though it doesn't have anything to do with how we see or um, what we are um, doing necessarily, it has it has more to be about who we are, right? Who we are and how we present ourselves in that Virgo sort of way. And it's interesting because in Virgo, it's the sign of uh, the Virgin, right? So in mythology, the Virgo is a representation of the women who were unmarried or who were untouched, if you will. And, uh, and in some ways, virgin didn't have anything to do with not having had sex yet. It had to do with uh, a woman who was very clear about her path and uh, very much aware of uh, not having to live by the conventions of a society that would think, for example, that they had to be married, that they had to have children, that they had to become mothers, that there was this logical uh, step of things. So in some respects, Virgo takes us into sort of the maverick femininity territory. So I, I just think it's such an interesting sign. But then when you go into service, the service aspect of Virgo isn't about becoming a slave to somebody or doing what you, uh, some things that you don't want to do in the support of someone else. Service here is really about the sharing of yourself in the way that you want to serve, in the way that you want to share. So that might mean sharing of your gifts, of your talents, of your time, of your resources. But the uh, truth of this matter is that it's up to you how you want to share of yourself. So I, it, it um, was very disturbing to me initially when I was uh, a young astrologer or beginning my astrological journey, where uh, finding out that because I had the sun in the 12th house, that I had a serve or suffer lifetime. And I, I just remember how my very, every fabric of my being rejected that thought, right? That idea, serve or suffer. But it was really what lies in the axis of Virgo and Pisces. So when you're looking at that axis of the 12th house and the 6th house, which are ruled by Pisces in the 12th, Virgo in the 6th, we're talking about the natural order of the wheel, then you are looking at some old-fashioned concepts that we have about serving or suffering. But maybe we could reframe that to about sharing 
or not sharing, right? And then the fulfillment we feel when we share of ourselves and the things that we know that we have to offer to the world versus not sharing and holding ourselves back and the feeling then that things are not as they should be or that we're not being fulfilled in some way, which I guess in some you know people's minds can lead to suffering, right? It can lead to that. But uh, another word that I would prefer to use than suffer would be to struggle. So we have the choice where we can struggle in finding our path forward, or on the other hand, with Virgo, maybe we can just share of who we are, of what feels good to us, of who it is that we want to be in that moment. So I throw that out to you guys. See how you feel about that. See if that sits well with you, because I think we need a new definition here that is going to be in keeping with where we are moving uh, as co-creative human beings, right? Or of divine beings in uh, on this planet. I don't think suffering is something that we need to, um, that we need to experience anymore. Not that's not to say that people don't suffer. Um, but I think even through human design, we see suffering is a choice, right? It's a choice. It's an option. Uh, it's struggle is not optional, right? We struggle, but the suffering through the struggle is something that we can always choose to do or not to do. Uh, let's just say a quick good morning, Kathleen uh, Mallory. Good morning to you. Tyler Lynn. Good morning. She says, hi, Living Astrology. This is Jacqueline. Ah, but my screen name showing something different. Well, how funny is that? Uh, to keep my information safe. Gotcha. Jolie Evans. Good to see you this morning. Christine Buckingham says, makes a lot of sense and resonates. Awesome. Debbie tippetts Tumiel, Good morning. She says, having lots of Mercury retrograde issues today. I think it's a Mercury retrograde kind of week. And as we move on through the broadcast this morning, I think you're going to see why that is, Debbie. Uh, Jennifer Peachy, good morning. And uh, Corey, good morning to you. Jennifer Schreiber, good morning. And it's funny, J-Lo, because at the beginning you were under J-Lo and then it switched over to Tyler Lynn. So I, I don't know if you chose to make that change or if it did that for you. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, so service, back to our Virgo sign, willingness then to share of yourself, right? That's what the moon is focusing on and the emotional bang for your buck that comes when you feel good about what you have been giving to others. Now, Virgo also rules all of that organizational stuff, the perfecting of uh, our, our, our world, the perfection of ourselves, um, seeing to the details, the order of, a, of an environment or the order of your ordering of your life, planning, the execution of a plan. It's a very down to earth sign, prefers that stepwise progression. The discriminating mind, right? So if we have an organized workplace, then uh, or organization is part of the buzzwords, then we have to also go to the organization of the mind. So analysis and critical thinking skills and focus and discernment are all a part of the experience with the moon in Virgo. And then perfection, right? There's that other thing that we know about uh, from many times talking about Virgo is that perfectionistic streak that they have, the nitpicky sort of hypervigilant uh, nature of cleaning or organizing or keeping things tidy. So order from chaos is one of the hallmarks of the, or I mean, of Virgo energy. So being able to take a messy desk and organize it all, put it together, uh, organizing your cabinets where you can find your spices when you need them, etc. Um, processing 
right? Processing. And when I think about this, because Mercury is the ruler um, of, of uh, Virgo, I think of processing in terms of the things that we have to do to get things processed. But I also think of the emotional processing that we must do, the processing of our own, you know, stuff, um, the the ability to process through things that have triggered you, your own fears and your own issues. So processing, taking order or making order out of chaos is a very Virgo sort of trait. Excessive perfectionism, of course, then puts us into the shadow or the fear realm of Virgo, where we have worry from that excessive need for perfectionism, where we have criticism, Criticism and judgment, that is something that we have to watch for, especially with the planetary energy now putting us, uh, pushing us through all of the gates in the spleen, where some of the negative aspects of that spleen energy are, are perfectionism, overly perfectionistic, and then being hyper vigilant about criticizing and sharing that criticism without an invitation to do so. Blame judgment, hmm, big ones, right? Uh, the shame blame game and workaholicism. That is another hallmark of the more negative Virgo expression. All work and no play makes Janet a dull girl, right? In the body, not surprisingly, Virgo rules the digestive system, but more specifically, the assimilation of the nutrients into the body for use by the cells. And for use by the, the body means that we have to be able to break things down in order for it to pass through uh, the cells and into the actual places where the nutrients can be used. So when that is out of order, if we are not digesting and we are not assimilating, it upsets the whole of our digestive system through the bowels, through um, the solar plexus energy. Interesting because... That was one of the other things that started me thinking about Virgo energy this morning, because we often think of Virgo as a sign that takes us into the mind because of the rulership of Mercury. But the solar plexus is a part of the body that is highly energized with nerve endings. Science is becoming more and more clear that there is a probable stronger connection to uh, the solar plexus and nerves and the gut the wisdom of the gut more so than the wisdom of the mind. So here we see in Virgo, a mind and gut relationship. So meaning they're connected somehow, and that bears uh, a, a further more in-depth study, because at this point in time, I'm not even sure what to say about that, right? The solar plexus. <clears throat> and we know the core, of course, the solar plexus in human design is undergoing a change. And that is slated to begin in 2027. But, you know, as anything, when we get closer and closer to the time of the change, we're experiencing the sort of uh, symptoms of those changes. So we may notice that our the nature of our emotions are changing, the wisdom about the gut-brain interface becoming more and more something that we hear in the mainstream media. So all of these things coming up, and I believe then that maybe there's even a change, dare I say, even an evolution coming in astrology as it relates to the sign of Virgo as well.
even though that's not been specifically talked about. So, but you know me, I'm always like thinking, I'm 10 steps ahead going, hmm, well, if one thing is going to be affected, then isn't the other thing going to be affected? So let's look at human design for a moment. I'm going to share my screen. Uh, let me open this up. Did I open up two? Nope, there's that. So I need to make sure I'm sharing the right thing. And I'm going to show you now the astro design or the human design, if you will, of Virgo energy and the Virgo gate. So we can see like we're in the body, in the body graph of our human design. Is the Virgo moon going to be triggering us in some respects? So Virgo energy begins at the gate 29 of commitment. And you'll note something else interesting with Virgo. In human design, often the gates are all scattered. They're scattered about. And we might have them um, all in one center, or we might have them in two or three different centers. But here what we see is five different centers, the head, the ajna, the will center or, or heart center, the um, solar plexus, and the sacral. But what I really what jumped out at me this morning is the fact that Virgo gates complete channels in the human design. Now, um, so for example, the 59 and the six right here, the connection from the sacral to the solar plexus. And then we also get the 29 and the 46 connected up, the, the beginning gate of commitment and then the last gate of embodiment. Now they're not connecting up in a sequence except for the 64 and the 47 that are sequential in terms of finishing the channel. So we go from the 29 uh, here on the sacral to the 59 also on the sacral. Then we jump to the 40 over here on the uh, heart center. Then we go to 64 confusion, but confusion then jumps to epiphany or mindset. So we get a connection here, one after the other, the moon completing uh, what is a channel of like that aha, that recognition of, I got it, I got this, I see what I need to do. And then we jump down to the emotional center at the gate of impact, gate six, which is also a gate of um, very powerful aura busting energy. The gate six busts into other people's energies and either helps them to align with love energy or with the energy of confrontation or of war or anger or upset. And then the last gate, the 46. So we bookend the channel that connects the identity center to uh, the sacral and that should have been highlighted as well. So it's actually six centers that Virgo energy connects us to. And I meant to check this this morning to see because we're already into Virgo because of the week it, it moved in yesterday. So let's see, today is uh, the fourth, the moon is at the gate uh, 64 right now. So right now we have the moon up at the gate 64. So if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling like I can't quite put my finger on what I need to say, what I need to do, or how to order my reality, you're in good company because right now the, the moon is sitting at the gate 64. But if you're willing to wait until just a little bit later, let's see here. Now, I know this is not in my time zone. So 2.31 p.m. UTC is going to be, well, maybe the actual moon has moved into the 47 right now. So if you were confused earlier or confused yesterday, today you will find the epiphany, the revelation, the aha that might help you solve or find a solution to a problem that you were working on. So you're coming out of confusion and into the gate of mindset. 
It will be later tomorrow when we get into the gate of impact, which might be the place or source of some issues that pop up between you and others. And then we move to the gate 20 or 46, the gate of embodiment. This is a gate of love, the gate of love of being in the physical being. So we start with gates of the sacral um, uh, doingness, right? Our doingness. And then we move to the gate at the end, a gate of who we are and the direction that we need to move in. So Virgo, again, just sort of some fascinating energy here uh, within that particular sign. Uh, okay, I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Oh, and one other thing I want to uh, remind everybody. While we're looking at this, I hope you can see my cursor moving around. The nodes right now are sitting at the gate 20 and the gate 34, connecting the sacral center to the throat center. So right now there is a lot of potential for us to do. And that can come into conflict with some of you who are projectors or manifestors or reflectors who's doing is slowed down by various means, waiting for the invitation or um, informing the people that will be affected by the decisions you're making, or in the case of a reflector, the full circuit of the moon going through your uh, all the gates in your design so that you can make a great decision. So there's pressure to do here. And for those of us that are generators and manifesting generators, this isn't so brand new to us, but it reminds us that the energy of doing comes from response, which means we're not acting on our mind's whims or on our meditative awarenesses. We're acting only in response to something that is showing up in your outer world. And when that happens, let's say something does show up in your outer world and it's beckoning you, like, come with me, let's do this. Then what you have to do is use your authority, which might be splenic, which means intuition. It could be solar plexus or emotional, which means clarity over time. It might be ego or will. It's like, what do I want? It might be mental. So you might have to see how that plays out with other people as you talk to other people around you. And all of these different things help you decide if you're going to respond to the right things. Otherwise, there's high, high potential between now and mid-January for us to burn out from using energy incorrectly or unwisely. Hopefully that makes sense to everybody. If you have questions about that, please, um, you know, ask that in the 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 chat here. Good morning, Michelle. It's good to see you. And JLo, please take a moment and hit the like button. Thank you very much. Thank you for that reminder, JLo. Hit the like button, especially if you're on YouTube. Subscribe if you've not yet done so if you're on YouTube. If you are listening to me this morning on Facebook, please hit the like button, right? So thumbs up if you're on YouTube, like if you're on Facebook. And then please share the videos with your friends and your other um social media outlets. Uh, Natasha, good morning. My dad, who's in spirit and a chiropractor, told me to put my shoulders back, stand straighter, as the solar plexus area is the connection to lung gut disease if we cut off the flow by slouching. Oh, a wise man, right? A wise man. Um, it's interesting because the lungs in the body are ruled by Gemini, and Gemini's ruler is Mercury, so is Virgo's. So again, we have this connection to breathing, 
and assimilating life, taking it in. But it's also modeled through the body when we take in nutrients, when we take in food. So it's a very powerful kind of interesting energy that we have going on with us right now. JLo, those are my personality nodes 34 and 20. That, that means that you're having either a nodal return or if your north node is at gate 20, uh, but if your north node is at gate 34, then you're having a halfway mark. So you're doing a check-in, if you will, uh, at, on your destiny at this point in time. Okay. And let's see, anything else? Um, I don't mind the struggle bubble. So when I'm done, it can pop. Ah, I like that. Um, okay. To add on, he said, it's the sender of... Uh, of everything. It's the center of everything. Solar plexus, the center. Very good. All right. So now let's take a look ahead at the week because we have a lot going on this week. First of all, I'm going to start with yesterday. Yesterday, we started a new Pleiadian energy week, which means that today we're in the second day of the new 13-day week, but we're still under the umbrella, if you will, or as Pia and Colin put it, the overlighting energy for the 13-day period. And the 13-day period's overlighting energy is about love. It's called loving. The loving energy in uh, the Mayan calendar was Lamat, and Lamat was a representation of the, of the planet Venus, the star that was very important to the Mayan society in that it really, what Venus was doing sort of predicted how the society and the culture would respond to different events that were happening in the, uh, the world or in, in their community. So here, what we see is that communication and cooperation, co-creation, collaboration are all better than competing with one another. So the energy that we have for the whole of this 13-day period is about how do we co connect in a, in a synarchy? How do we connect in a synergistic way? How do we come together to solve our problems instead of being divided in the way that we do that or competing with one another about who gets to lead or who gets to, um, you know, or, or, you know, that can lead us to greed and to uh, taking resources from places and from each other. And the whole idea here would be to become more of a unity uh, organism than a separated organism, meaning humanity, right? So cooperation is better than com competition, but we may be triggered by the things that make us think that we have to do more, we have to do prove ourselves more, we have to, uh, you know, keep up with the rat race, if you will. And eventually that can also lead to burnout. So we have this overlighting week about that. But today we're at two feeling. So the two energies about duality. So we may find ourselves today split two different sets of emotions, one set pulling us one way, one pulling us in a different way. What the solution is, is coming into the middle, coming into the peaceful, uh, quiet, of the decision that we have to make about what we're doing and what we feel. So from the Pleiadian week, then we're moving just through this energy of bringing everything back to love. And let me tell you, even though that sounds very yummy, <laughs> and it really does, um, it can be very challenging. It can be a challenging week. It can be a challenging 13 day week period of time because you will be triggered likely by 
other people, other things going on in the world so that you can always find your way back to responding with love, right? So it's a test, if you will, of how loving can we be? Can we keep ourselves cooperative even in the face of energies sometimes that want to pull us into different directions? Now, looking at the week ahead from the astrological point of view, here we have quite a bit to talk about because First of all, it's a week where we have the new moon. Wednesday is the new moon. On the same day, Pluto moves direct out of his retrograde station into direct motion. We talked a bit about that on Friday. Then on Thursday, Venus, the planet of our finances, of our of our values, of our relationships, she moves out of the sign of Scorpio into the sign of Sagittarius. She's moving into fire energy. And that same day, two fire planets, the sun and Mars, come into a conjunction. So we have fire, fire, fire on Thursday. And then on Friday, we have the new human design week, moving us into a new gate on the spleen where a new trigger of fear could be. And that new trigger takes us into the uh, sun at the gate 57, which is about clarity, finding our intuition, but the gate 51 for the earth, which is called the gate of shock. And often the gate of shock then provides us the awakening, the need to awaken through something that can shock us. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative shock. Uh, often it is uh, something that we didn't see coming, um, but it can also be a positive shock. So shock, awakening, the, you know, wake up kind of energy. Saturday, Mercury in retrograde conjuncts the sun and Mars. And on Sunday, we have Saturn turning direct. So we have a week that's about, about to leave us sort of breathless, to sort of leave us in a crazed sort of state. It's a wild week, if you will. But if we break it down, we might be able to see how to work it. And one of the things that we might just have to do is to be okay with ever wild and wacky things are showing up. Why? Because there's also several quincunx aspects happening this week. So we're going to dig in a little bit to what is a quincunx. So if we, we call it an inconjunct as well. So you might be familiar with the word inconjunct, but you might also hear astrologers call it a quincunx. And when we're talking about those words that connect planets, so we're going to have, let's say, Mercury in conjunct or quincunx Neptune, we're talking about a connection between the two planets, <clears throat> a relationship, right? In that particular kind of relationship, what we have is uh, that uh, two planets in signs that don't understand one another, right? The planets don't get it. They don't understand each other's language. So the key words to an aspect pattern like this is challenging, right? Challenging. We have to redirect our energies. We have to adjust. We have to divert. We have to somehow um, be able to, to maybe sacrifice something, right? Or surrender to something in order to get to where we need to go. We as humans don't like to do that. <laughs> we bite at the, we chomp at the bit, right? We're biting at that. It, we want to have a solution. But here, the planets that are in, op, in a, a, a quincunx to one another cannot merge energies, 
right? So we're used to with other aspects that we can somehow find a merging point, right? Even in an opposition, we can find the merging point because we can come to the middle. In a conjunction, we can find the merging point because we're all coming together at that particular degree. And we can see how each one of the signs are, are trying to, to get their, uh, their viewpoint expressed. In a square, we can figure this out. We can, we can use that energy of challenge to push us in a direction. In a quincunx, there's just no doing that, right? We can't do it. There is no merging of energy. So what we end up doing is compartmentalizing the energies, right? So uh, I was reading an example over the weekend. I have this whole new book and I moved it somewhere. It's called the Book of Yods. And Yods are made up of two quincunxes or two um, inconjuncts on each side with a sextile at the base. But I was reading about this in terms of the, the sides and the pressure it puts on us to try to merge those energies. And we can't do it. So we end up paying attention to one side or the other. And maybe it's something like with one group of people, we're going to behave this way because maybe they're more spiritual. But this whole other workplace that I work in, these people are all very left-brained and they are logical and sequential. So I can't be my usual spiritual self with them. So I have to compartmentalize, right? Does that make sense to everybody? Compartmentalize. So the first quincunx that we're dealing with today, tomorrow, and the next day after that is Mercury in a quincunx to Neptune. Now, just knowing those two planets, you can already get an idea of what that's about. Mercury is our logical mind. Mercury is how we think, the thinking processes, how we um, process information and the ideas that we have of how we think, right? And for the most part, we've been taught uh, in, in through school and, and through our parents and our lineage to think logically. And then opposite now of that or in the quincunx to that is, is Neptune, which doesn't do that. It doesn't do logic. Neptune doesn't do logic. Neptune does confusion, right? Neptune does, I don't know. It does, I can't see clearly to make a decision. I am more in the spiritual realm than in the logical realm. So we have to compartmentalize. Somehow we're going to have to be able to uh, understand that our, we are not going to be able to rationalize things. So we're not going to have that rationalizing ability today tomorrow, especially the day after. And that takes us even into Wednesday's new moon, where that is somewhat still in play with Mercury. So, and not only that, but because Neptune is in a water sign, it's in the sign of Pisces and rules that sign, we are also being influenced by our emotions, right? Emotions are not logical. So we have another place where we're going to have to either compartmentalize. This is a mind-oriented thing I have to work with versus over here, this is an emotional-driven thing that I'm going to have to work with. We may be more daydreamy, more fant fantasizing, more imaginative in the things that we're doing, and then come back and feel confused because how do I fit that daydream, that imagination, that fantasy into my real world? 
then we can become disillusioned. <laughs> we can feel that confusion. Then we can become isolated feeling or lonely even because no one gets me or I don't even know which place to turn to. So the only real solution is to try to compartmentalize those two energies. Use the mind when the mind is being called for. Use the emotions when the emotions are being called for. But don't try to intermingle those two things. It isn't going to work, right? It isn't going to work. It's just going to create more stress within you, right, to do that. <clears throat> now, if that were the only in conjunct or quincunx that we were dealing with for the week, that would be enough, right? That that to me seems like a lot for the first three days of the week to be dealing with this confusion and all of that. But we also are fa uh, facing down a new moon on Wednesday that has three in conjuncts built into it, three in conjuncts, because the new moon occurs with the new moon or with the moon, the sun and Mars all in a conjunction at 13 degrees or so of the sign of Libra. So we have the moon and the sun at 13 degrees, 25 minutes. We have Mars at 13 degrees, 58 minutes, bullet burn. Basically, they are right on top of one another. And all three of them are in an inconjunct to the planet Uranus. Uranus, the rebel, the contrarian, the disruptor, the awakener, the shocker, right? So we have the potential this week for a lot of likely collective shocking events or things that make us, you know, go, whoa, what is going on? Um, or even personally, things that can create the need for us to have to compartmentalize. Now let's look at the new moon and Uranus itself. So the moon, the moon and Uranus can create within us impatience. It can create a field of radical change or the potential for radical change, like moving in a whole new direction in our lives, moving in a whole new direction according to um, the way that things have happened in the past. Now, the moon in this case is also taking us into the public, right? So remember in a chart of a country uh, or the chart of a people, this represents the people. The moon represents the people. This could be the rebellion of the people against something, against what, right? Or the, um, the, the rebellion energy just picking up momentum and moving us in a new direction. So that's the moon part of that. Now the sun in an in conjunct to Uranus is about nervous tension, anxiety, right? That anxious uh, that we might feel. It's also the feeling like something is about to happen, but we don't know what it is. The drama or the trauma or the shoe is about to drop. Boom. The other shoe is about to drop. We have lots of sayings about what this is about. It doesn't mean that the other shoe is about to drop or that something is going to happen, but the tension between the sun and Uranus and this kind of, um, uh, of, of relationship can really bring us to that feeling that something is about to happen. Is it a trauma? Is it a drama? It can trigger excitement or it can trigger fear. Now, remember too, in our human design, the sun is moving through the spleen centers, right? The spleen center, the center where all the fear gates reside or the gates that can be paralysis points or can be leading us through the shadows as opposed to the highest aspect I mean, the, the need is for us to elevate through the fear, to let go of the shadow and to move up into the gift or the civic levels of that potential uh, expression in our DNA. 
but because we are still, you know, our DNA is still there with that fear energy, we have to work to move ourselves out of fear. So then we also have Mars now, another catalyzing dynamic planet of action, a fire planet in an air sign. That makes me think of an explosion of ideas, right? That's the high potential I expect. But anytime Mars and Uranus come together, we have the unexpectedness of accidents, of potential conflicts or confrontations, um, rebellion again, and that anxiety that we feel if we're having to face something like a confrontation with a loved one, um, or uh, um, having a confrontation with something within us. Sorry, a message popped up that said there was a problem streaming to Facebook. So if you're listening to me on Facebook and somehow the stream got interrupted, but you can hear me, go to YouTube, um, Living Astrology channel on YouTube, and you can find me uh, and pick up the broadcast where you left off. So I apologize. That just seems to be something going on within StreamYard at the moment. Now, uh, so taking it all together, we have the unexpected nature of Uranus in a, a very tense aspect pattern with three very powerful planets, the sun, the moon, Mars, and then Mercury in that same aspect, but with Neptune. So confusion and uh, all of that sort of presiding during this particular week. And because all of that is happening, with the exception of Mercury in the inconjunct to Neptune, the uh, other three are really primarily part of the new moon. It means that we're not only dealing with it for the week, but it's going to be sort of pervasive through the whole new moon window from new moon to new moon. So from new moon in Libra to new moon in Scorpio. So for some people that shock or that anxiety or that tenseness, that confrontation or that conflict may have these waves that move through um, the next month or so. So what's the antidote to all of that? Well, one of the things we've just realized is we don't really have an antidote. We can't merge these energies, right? We can't take them and they don't understand one another. We can't bring them together and make a solution that is the normal way we solve things. So we have to do something differently. We have to do something outside of the normal, something the unexpected way, something in a revolutionary way. So if we've always, it, it, it also reminds me that Pluto changing direction or changing station in human design is at the gate 61 in the shadow of which is psychosis where we're always bumping our heads up the same at the wall trying to do the same thing or trying to uh, doing the same thing but expecting a different outcome but it doesn't happen that way right so we have there's just a lot right so my advice is to meditate this week to breathe this we do what Natasha's dad would have said, which is to pull those shoulders back, allowing your lungs to fully inflate and breathe. Understand your solar plexus or emotional energy. Don't react, right? Stay out of reaction. Be in response. Response means you breathe first and then choose what you do or what you say or, or how you're going to react to something is based on response, response ability. Okay. So it's, it's, it, it's not, it's sort of in the behind the scenes, right? It's that niggling feeling 
that something's not right beneath the surface that that is the driver for the week and even through that full or new moon window. I would expect that if that's activated for you, that you might find some ease at the full moon also. So that doesn't happen until October 20th, but just expect this sort of pervasive feeling of ill at ease energies for the next several weeks. All right. Uh, but it's not a bad thing, right? This isn't a bad thing. This is about our gaining more and more wisdom, really learning more about who we are, right? Living out our truths, right? Okay. So let's take a look here. Debbie says, I've been sick as crap, can't breathe, sinuses clogged. Only thing I'm taking in is stuff I'm allergic to, <laughs> ragweed and red tide. Oh my goodness. Maybe it's time for a vacation to an area of the country where you don't have that. Perhaps, I don't know if Washington is a good place to come, but Debbie, hey, you can always come to Washington. But now we're getting to that rainy part of our world, our season. So maybe molds wouldn't be a good thing. So maybe the desert. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Christine, hope you feel better soon, Debbie. I love that. Facial massage, ice packs, nasocort, claritin, take the edge off and helps. Ragweed and mold are really tough lately, right? But the si think about what the sinuses also represent. I mean, I have allergies. I have spring allergies. So for me, this time of year isn't so much about the allergies as it is uh, just the, the dampness and how that, you know, plays out with our joints and stuff like that. Um, but allergies and the sinuses are where we hold on to stuff, right? The sinuses, when they clog up or clogged up with debris that your body's immune system has been at play doing something, right? Working on something, some kind of poison or toxin or irritant. And the, the sinuses clogging up is a symptom of your body doing what it's meant to do. But there's also the question of what does that tell me about my, um, in the other realms? So that's the physical realm, but what about the emotional realm? What about the mental realm? What about the uh, spiritual realm? Is there something I'm holding on to? Something that's being washed out of my body on my behalf from those other realms. That's when it's always a good time to play the transformation game. So if you have that game, um, there's uh, some really good ways to be able to do that with just a couple of people that help you see from the angelic perspective what it is that you're moving through. So if you were local, I would say, hey, let's come over and play. Um, but we're not local, so that would be hard to do. Uh, all right. So questions about the inconjuncts or the quincunxes. Um, while you're thinking about that, I want to go back and do something we haven't done in a while. And that is to read in our uh, Wisdom Keepers Inner Guidebook. And I like to do this when we start to go through the spleen, especially because the sun is so powerful, right? It is the light of our universe here, of our solar system. And it gives us a perspective on what it is that we can move through. I love this is, by the way, by uh, Rosie Aronson. It's the 64 Faces of Awakening. It's a deck of cards. So here is the card for the gate 48 where the sun is. It's called the gate of resourcefulness. Now that's the gene keys name of the gift level. So now we're looking at this holographically. We're moving out of the fear of inadequacy, which is what the shadow is in the gate 48. And we're moving it to the gift of resourcefulness. 
And I would, it, I, I would uh, suggest you look at this as resource fullness, right? Full, F-U-L-L-N-E-S-S, -S, that you are filled with resources, right? Resource fullness, as opposed to seeing yourself as lacking something, lacking education, lacking wisdom, lacking knowledge, lacking credentials, right? So the fear is, of course, that we're inadequate, but we are, if we rise to the level of the gift, filled with all of the resources that we need in order to do anything, right? Now, let's look at this. So, uh, by the way, this is a quote from Richard Rudd. If you uh, read this in the Gene Keys book, he says, if we don't know how to handle emotional states with equanimity, integrity, and clarity, we never fully enter adulthood, but remain at some level children. So the gift here is the resourcefulness, uh, shadows, inadequacy, and the siddhi, the highest expression is wisdom. Here's the wisdom story. Now, remember, this is a, a card that's levels uh, of the, the wisdom story, the gifts to us from that story, and then questions for contemplation. So here's the wisdom story. My father was an idealistic young man who was willing to sacrifice his life for our country. He admired uh, the bravery, cooperation, and loyalty he experienced during the war almost as much as he hated the way he and his fellow soldiers were received after it ended. He felt dropped and forgotten by the very people for whom he gave everything and manipulated by the government he had served with such devotion. By the time I was halfway through elementary school, he was a bitter, paranoid, and unscrupulous man. When he wasn't obsessing over conspiracy theories and spying on the government, he was unleashing his anger at me, constantly criticizing me for being undisciplined and unattractive. My mother was consumed with making ends meet, running the household, and keeping up appearances. All she wanted was for me to do well in school and look good so that the neighbors wouldn't notice what was happening behind closed doors. As my sense of unworthiness grew, I found myself glued to the television, watching soap operas filled with beautiful people and commercials that flaunted perfect women who were gorgeous, successful, and seductive all at once. In comparison, I felt unbearably bland. As I entered puberty, the pressure I felt to look, act, and perform well increased. I became obsessed with my appearance, grades, and getting into the best college. I couldn't sleep before tests. Desperate to fill the void in my belly and calm my nervous system, I binged and purged with food. It wasn't until I was in high school, thanks to a wonderful English teacher who encouraged me to write about my most private pain, that I came to understand how my life had been hijacked by a deep sense of inadequacy. My teacher didn't just see my suffering, she saw a depth, sensitivity, and wisdom in me I didn't even know was there. She kept pulling it out of me. I have her to thank for the way my life unfolded as I blossomed into a young woman, came to trust my inner knowing, and fell in love with earth-based spirituality. Today, I sleep peacefully and have the great honor of facilitating emotionally and spiritually healing rites of passage for 7- to 14-year-olds. Every day, I am inspired and amazed by the inner resources of these kids. My gift to you. Do not hide from the well of darkness within you, for there is light and boundless riches at the bottom of that well. You can find elegant solutions to all of life's challenges and just the right support when you need it most. But first, you must reassure your body that it is safe, even when you don't have all of the answers. Let the parent in you love and hold the child within, even in the presence of fear. 
Over time, you will spontaneously dive into the void and discover more warmth there than you have ever expected. Trust your inner knowing and the people around you will start dipping into your well and drawing out more resourcefulness and wisdom than you realize you had. You are far more adequate than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Love that. Here are some questions for contemplation. And I think after the broadcast today, I'll write these questions for contemplation up on my Facebook page so that if you're so inclined, you can copy and paste them or print them uh, so that you can work through these questions because they're awesome questions. What is your relationship to fear? Do you tend to repress and avoid your fear or do you tend to act it out or react to it? Second question, where do you feel most inadequate? How does not feeling good enough impact your thoughts, feelings, and actions? Number three, do people tend to feel intimidated or inadequate around you? Somebody once told me, who was that? Somebody once told me that I was intimidating. I don't get that at all because I'm such a pushover. Uh, who in your life has truly seen your wisdom and pulled it out? Think of a time you experienced or expressed your wisdom. Write about that. Write down 10 of your greatest inner resources. Notice the feelings and thoughts that arise as you do this. Write things that you can do while we're moving through the gate 48, which is also the gate that the sun and the moon and Mars will be at during the new moon on Wednesday. So it's important, right? That's why I like to read this. And this is, again, Rosie Aronson's deck of cards called uh, The Wisdom Keepers or 64 Faces of Awakening. But the guidebook is The Wisdom Keepers Inner Guidebook that comes with the cards. All right. Resourcefulness. And if you look at the picture, just look at all the symbolism in the faces. That's one of the other things I really love about her cards is all of the different symbols within the faces that you see here. There's the owl, there's Indian feathers, a wheel, uh, the medicine wheel all in the, in the forehead here. Uh, so there's also the lotus flower on the throat. Hmm, great stuff. All right. So let's take a look, shall we, at the new moon and see what we can see about that. So I'm actually going to share my screen again. First, let me make sure I can bring up that. There it is. It's on its own window. Okay, good. So share. Okay. This is actually um, the new moon chart, but I also highlighted in green here the inconjuncts so that you could get a visual of what that looks like in a chart. So here we have the planet Uranus, and this line indicates an inconjunct, and that inconjunct, because Uranus itself is at 13 degrees, 56 minutes it looks like, is an inconjunct to the sun and the moon, and also very close in that inconjunct to Mars. So that's what this looks like. Then we also see the moon, sun, and Mars in an inconjunct over here to Pallas Athena. Now that's one that you're not going to hear a lot of astrologers talk about. Pallas Athena, the wisdom goddess. So there is in some way a need for us to 
uh, balance or harmonize the the feminine wisdom with the masculine wisdom because unbelievably or not libra even though it's ruled by venus is a masculine sign so we have the masculine libra needing to be balanced by pallas athena and I'm going to go back here really quickly because um, I noted the other day, we must have done a talk once on Pallas Athena. So I just want to remind you what this symbology might mean for us. What would we have to do in order to balance out or to somehow solve the uh, issues between Pallas Athena and the sun, moon, Mars? Well, Pallas Athena is a warrior queen. She's a warrior woman right? She is the daughter of Jupiter or Zeus, depending on the mythology. She is the goddess of warfare, wisdom, skill and strategy, justice. So this is about how you use the left hemisphere of your brain in service of the right hemisphere of the brain. She is a strategist. So how is our, what strategy do we have? That remember that Libra over here is a sign of balance and harmony. So perhaps there's a strategy for us in how to bring more balance and harmony to our lives. How do we recognize the patterns in our life that keep happening? She takes us into pattern recognition. She also talks about how our brains function. The two hemispheres of the brain, right? The left hemisphere, the logical, sequential analysis, critical thinking, and the more creative, imaginative uh, other side of the brain, how you critically think, how you plan, strategize, and make things happen. All of that's a part of the warrior queen, Pallas Athena. There's also in this little power-packed woman here, our relationship to men, to the father, to the major masculine authority figures in your life. Was that a father? Was that a stepfather? Maybe it was a brother, an uncle, a cousin. Uh, maybe it was a teacher, somebody that was a masculine archetype um, or masculine um, mentor uh, that authority figure for you. And then that might have set up how it is that you deal with the masculine or how you deal with men in general. So she's got a lot of potential to help us express a balance of the feminine and the masculine. And that is up for reorganization, maybe even compartmentalization, uh, as this is going to be a difficult thing to try to balance, right? Because of the outer world's tendency to tell us who it is that we're supposed to be based on gender roles, instead of the masculine, feminine, bigger idea of the energies that they embody. And then as well, the Mercury uh, to Neptune in conjunct here. But when we look at the new moon, what we're looking at is October 6th at 4.05 a.m. If you are on the Pacific coast, if you are in the Eastern daylight time zone, it is 7.05 a.m. And in the European uh, UTC time zone, 11.05 a.m. And that will be at 13 degrees, 25 minutes of Libra. And even Mercury is fairly close here. Remember, Mercury's in retrograde, moving toward the new moon, sun, and Mars. We also have um, the Ayod then that is with the point at the new moon. So the Yod being the base point here between Uranus, the planet of awakening and surprises, and the goddess Pallas Athena. How do we strategize and plan um, even in the face of change and upsets? And then we also have the moon, sun, and Mars 
follow this red line here in an opposition to Chiron. So we also have a wound that we're mitigating as at the same time. And this is a collective wound of too much independence on one side or too much codependence on the other side. So how do we move more toward self-sufficiency, but also interdependence? How do we know when to reach out for help and support versus when do we know it's something that we need to solve on our own, taking care of home? So it's a very powerful new moon, right? There's some of these characteristics of the moon are high energy, but not necessarily high energy, bad energy. My biggest concern for everybody is that you're going to take that high energy and you're just going to blow out your circuits by trying to do too much. So the need for the new moon for us is to really just do um, what it is that is meant for you to stay in response not in pushing the river, not in competing with other people, not with impatience that leads you to take action that isn't correct for you uh, during the new moon window. If you guys have questions about what is my strategy, what is my authority, uh, right now, human design readings are discounted by $20. So normally they're $199. Right now they're $179. If you are more interested in what's going on in your astrology chart, maybe you feel like there's a lot of change, a lot of upsets in your life. I discounted the transit readings, the seasonal transit readings from $129 to $89. So $40 discount there. Both now are updated on my website. Go to www.living-astrology.com and under astrology readings or human design readings, you will find choices there that are discounted. That is it for me today. I will see you all on Friday. And in the meantime, have a wonderful new moon. Take care with the energies. Reach out and let me know if you're having some issues. I'd love to hear what people's experiences are. And I will see you on Friday. Much love. Bye, everybody.